Welcome to Deeper Life. This is Tony Hallow in Townsville, Australia, opening up the sacred scriptures and sharing with you some simple but divine thoughts that will change your life and mine. This is the word of the Lord, and we're reading from Proverbs chapter 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. And he commences by saying, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. So if you want to know why the proverbs are included in the word of God, there's your answer. Proverbs 1, 1 to 6. To understand a proverb and and listen to this, and an enigma. What's an enigma? Well, an enigma is something that's not easy to understand. Our lives are full of situations. Our lives are full of complexities. Our lives are full of ups and downs and ins and outs. We've made a lot of stumbles and falls and hurt ourselves in the process. Sometimes physically, sometimes emotionally, sometimes mentally, sometimes always spiritually. And that's mankind all over, isn't it? Falling, falling, stumbling, groping, not knowing where he's going. But God is a God that wants to give us practical advice why things are as they are and how we can find a pathway through the enigma, through the mysteries that surround us. And I'm talking to you, and I know that in your life you've had many disappointments, many mysteries. You've been in good faith, trusting, trusting people, maybe trusting someone in marriage, trusting a church, trusting a pastor, trusting yourself, trusting your intellect, trusting your upbringing, trusting your parents, trusting government, politicians, trusting your own faith. And then there's been a nosedive. Something's happened and it's absolutely caused you to just fall in a heap. And you've said to yourself, how did this happen? Well, the book of Proverbs is all about being able to decipher, that is to discern, to evaluate, to sift, experiences in the light of the whole tenor of Scripture and find truth. Our God wants you to walk in the light as he is in the light. And the first thing you'll notice is you have fellowship, not only with him, but with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ keeps you clean. So to come into the light, we take the Bible and we don't put any preconceived notions or prejudices to it. We just stand under the searchlight of the scriptures 
and we allow God to speak to us. Today, wherever you are, we want to turn to the scriptures and we're going to talk today about the seduction of a people, the seduction of a nation, the seduction of the whole world, and of course, those individual human beings, that's all of us, over 8 billion of us on the face of the earth at this time. You see, there is a seducer. There is one that wants to tear us down, to trample us underfoot. And it's not God, and it's not his glorious son, and it's not the Holy Spirit of God. It's his arch enemy, Lucifer the Fallen. He uses deception, he uses disguises, he is duplicitous, he is determined, and he brings disaster. But he knows also that he has a short time, according to Revelation chapter 12. And so he's come down to the earth with great wrath to do all that he can to subvert and to, in many ways, undermine your walk with God, to destroy you. And of course, Jesus said that in John chapter 10 and verse 10. He said, the thief comes, but with one intent, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, by contrast, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. How wonderful that is. The abundance of life is the abundance of light, the abundance of liberty, the abundance of joy, and the abundance of peace. There are only two pathways. There's the broad way that leads to destruction, and there's the narrow way that leads to life eternal. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So where do we go wrong? Where do we go wrong? How do we fall into the traps of this sinister enemy of God and the one that stalks us, seeking to seduce us, to control us, to contaminate us, to bring us under and to destroy us? How do we overcome? How do we get into the trouble in the first place? That's the question. Well, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 32 says these words. Let me turn to that. It says here, The turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Complacency. What's complacency? That's undue relaxation of the mind and the soul, the spirit, whereby we allow things to accumulate, build up. We allow things to form in our minds, to create our attitudes and to affect our outlook. You see, complacency is laziness of the soul. We all say that we hate laziness and lazy people and we see them and we call them words like, as the Bible says, sluggards. That is, people that just loll around and expect the world to meet them 
in their every need, supply their every need. And just don't expect, under any circumstance, to do anything about their plight, but have people rescuing them all the time and meeting their need, whether it's financial, temporal or whatever. Complacent, lazy, people that just let things happen. And we know that some nations are renowned for that. Australia is one of them. We've had it so good for so long that every time there's a crisis, financially, economically, we panic, we change governments, we change banks, we change accountants, we do all that we can. We'll change a job just to get ahead, just to maintain the lifestyle we think is due to us. But there's complacency in the church as well. And we have a lot of people who don't realise they're on a broad way, not the narrow way. You know, the Bible says holiness becomes your house, O Lord. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, he sheds light on our pathway. He gives us revelation, understanding and wisdom, how we should walk, what we should know, how we should conduct ourselves, what we should be aware of, what we should be very, very careful about. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have freedom. We have freedom for a lot of things. We have freedom in prayer. We have freedom in our spirit. We have freedom in fellowship. We have freedom to worship. We have freedom to serve. We have freedom to overcome darkness and adversity. Yes, it's wonderful to have freedom, but the complacent man, a lazy man, a lazy mind, a lazy spirit, will never, ever receive the blessing of the Lord. There are three things that the enemy uses to destroy people, yes, even believers, so that they don't get the revelation. They don't get the insight. They don't have understanding. They don't have wisdom. They don't have the knowledge of God. What are those three things? Now, we may not be guilty of all three, but we could be, or at least one of these three. Very simply, ignorance. Not knowing where we're going, not knowing who we are, not knowing where the path is, not knowing where to put our feet. Ambling along, taking each day as it comes, people will say. And you know, some people will take that scripture out of context that says, be anxious for nothing, take no thought of tomorrow, for sufficient is today's undertakings. And we think, oh, well, we don't have to worry about anything. We don't have to be concerned about anything. We have to just find our own way, do our own thing. That is not true. We have to be very diligent and we have to find in the word of God the truths that are there God has laid before us. And that's why when we're seeking God for his wisdom, we seek it over an open Bible and with an open and yielded heart and mind. 
No good coming to God and saying, Lord, I want you to bless this. I want you to bless that. I want you to do this and I want you to do that. Giving him a shopping list so that he complies. We comply with him, not he complies with us. He has given us a book. John Wesley called it the book of God. It is the Bible. It is the word of God. And we must take time diligently, consistently, daily to be alone with God and to seek his face and to open the pages of the word without prejudice and say, Lord, I lay my life before you. My life is an open book. You write my story. You lead me in the path everlasting. You show me your way. You teach me your way. Give me understanding of what I need to know. So ignorance, that is a lack of that, a lack of the knowledge of the word of God, will cause us to be blinded. And you know what it must be like to be blinded. You've seen a blind person, your heart's gone out to them. You think to yourself, oh, how sad and sometimes how dangerous. They don't see something that's looming ahead. They don't see that uh, gutter that they could easily fall over. They don't see an oncoming car. They don't see danger. There's a lot of people that fall into traps. And someone said to me recently, I just lay awake last night thinking, how did I get into this mess? An innocent man, a loving man, a godly man. But in the area that he was facing, a calamitous man, a man that has had the most awful situation. He said, how did this all happen? Well, it did happen. And there would have been signs along the way that he, for one reason or another, was ignorant of. Perhaps he closed his mind because many times when we even begin to get an inkling that something's not right, we, we shut down and we say, oh, no, 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 that's just me. We need to pursue that, that sense of urgency. You know, when you have that sort of anxiety in your heart about something, you're not sure, you don't have perfect peace. This is God's warning many times. Sometimes it can be you. Sometimes it can be me. Maybe we are a, an anxious person by disposition. We may be a person that is often negative in our outlook, so everything's a worry to us. But I have to say I'd rather be like that and be cautious and prayerful and get the amen of God on something that I was about to enter into or do than just shrug my shoulders and say, oh, well, the Lord knows. That's complacency. And that leads to ignorance. And ignorance leads to blindness. And blindness leads it to disaster. But there's not only ignorance that the devil uses and, and so easily and often relies on to ensnare people. There is indifference. Now, that's complacency again indifference. Some people who say to you, as people have said to me many times, oh, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, but this, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, but what about that? Oh, that's fine. I don't care about that. Look, nothing worries me. And I've even heard people, Christians that are believing that they're ongoing, dedicated, 
fiery Christians in some ways say, I just leave all that to the Lord. Well, a lady said that to me once and I thought, oh, how wonderful that, you know, she's got this sort of peace until I reflected on it and on her life and realised, really, her indifference was the thing that slayed her soul. It slew her and cut her down so that at the end of her life she said, well, I don't know what I did wrong, but I don't have what you have. And I said, what have I got? Oh, she said, you've got peace, you've got contentment, you've got the knowledge of God and the blessing of God, and it's tangible, it's evident. And I thought, well, and then I went back to the times when I was concerned for her, spoke to her about some things, and she just said to me, oh, I leave that all with the Lord. In other words, I don't have any responsibility. I don't have to do anything. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible said, seek to the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Bible also tells us to forsake that which is... Uh, wrong and sinful and bad and undermining and faithless. And that brings us to the third aspect, along with ignorance and indifference, it's iniquity. The Bible says, if I have iniquity stored up in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. How awful to be coasting along, doing your own thing, just living your own life in the way you want to live it, and then all of a sudden coming to a place in your life where you think, oh, this is a calamity, this is a problem, this is something that's a tragedy about to happen. Lord, help me. And the Lord says, no, no. And you realise that, yes, it's true. He has turned his back because, you see, he cannot tolerate willful, deliberate sin. When we are living a life of sin, when we are choosing that lifestyle that is dark and sinister and authored by the prince of the power of the air, the evil one, then the Lord says, uh-uh. No, can two walk together lest they be agreed? You cannot serve two masters. So the confusion that pervades the minds even of believers is that, well, you know, uh, where do I go? How do I go? How do I live my life? How do I find the will of God? Well, you start with a pure heart because Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed is the one that has a pure heart, for he shall see God. Now, is he talking about in the afterlife? Well, of course. But what about seeing God now? You see, the psalmist said, I beheld the Lord. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6, I saw the Lord. So there are revelations that come to us, tangible miraculous evidences of God's presence in our lives and his working. But we can't hold iniquity in our heart. And we won't be those that are ignorant 
brushing aside the need to seek him while he may be found. And we certainly won't be indifferent. Now, in these last days of time that we're in now, because that's what I believe is the case, that we are in the last moments of time, the Bible says there will arise on the horizon, the world horizon, the world stage, the platform of the nations, there will arise one who ultimately claims that he is God. He will be acclaimed by most of the nations of the earth. And he will cajole, he will groom, he will be able to, in some way, attract and get the uh, wonderful approval of most of the nations of the earth. And then, suddenly, when he is entrenched and in his own mind enthroned, on the world stage as king over the earth, he will show his colors. We call him, the Bible calls him, the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Now, he is the one that will capture the imagination of the world as being like the Christ. He shall do wonders. He will be amazing. He'll have superior wisdom. He'll have charisma. He'll have all of that. And people say, oh, that's going to be a scary time. That will be in the first era, the first half of the Great Tribulation period. And those believers that believe in the rapture of the church say, well, we won't be here then. The church will be off the scene. Ah, that is true. I believe in the rapture of the church. I know because the twofold reason for the great tribulation period is to refine Israel as a nation and prepare her to receive Messiah. And it is to judge those nations that willfully, deliberately have become dark those who have said, we will not have this man, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to rule over us. So the Bible tells us that be aware that that spirit of Antichrist is in the world today. And in the New Testament, we just have to turn to 1 John and we'll see in 1 John the ample evidence that in the world, even at this time, the enemy, Satan himself, is producing individuals that have great influence and great impact in enticing men and women to follow the dark ways of the evil one. We only have to turn to 1 John chapter 2, which I'm doing now. And we read these words, and they are most, most unpleasant. It's 1 John chapter 2, and the Apostle John says in verse 15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world is passing away, it's disintegrating, it's winding down, it's imploding. The world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. But listen to verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist, capital A, is coming, even now many Antichrists, small a, have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Now, John was aware of that Antichrist spirit in his day. The Apostle Paul came up against it many, many times. And this Antichrist spirit is one that entices, it's one that seduces, it's a spirit that pervades governments and kingdoms, even the entertainment kingdom, the music kingdom, philosophy, cultural kingdoms, and individuals who, in one way or another, at first perhaps unwittingly, but then deliberately, have given themselves to the Antichrist spirit. And that's why we have an attack, a full frontal attack on all things that are wholesome, holy, good and godly. Well, how does this, how does this happen? I mean, it's crazy. How can people that have got good moral values, people that love justice, people that love truth, that really want to walk in the freedom of justice and purity, how come we fall for these, well, schemes and strategies of Satan? Well, it's uh, God who gives the answer. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22, we have these words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? You know, people want other people to do their thinking for them. You'd be surprised. They'll say, oh, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to worry about that. I don't think about that. Sometimes they look at some people that are overstimulated with fear, anxiety, and always on a witch hunt about something, and they say to themselves, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be uh, one of these uh, gloom and doom prophets. You know, I'll just trust God and not worry about it. And so they let things slip. And so they become, really, they become complacent as we said before. Proverbs chapter 1 says, by contrast to those that are tenacious and overly so in wanting to know what's going on, there are those that are just simpletons. They don't care. 
And God and wisdom cry to them, how long, simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. When we meet again, we're going to talk about how the Antichrist spirit grooms whole nations through philosophies like evolution, like revolution. Yes, how whole nations can come under the sway of a persuasive prophet who, unbeknownst to them, is a tool of the Satan that we say we hate and even fear and resist. Oh yes, there are people that are rising up all over the world who give such a plausible philosophy that people are saying, oh yes, let's embrace this and let's embrace something else. Some of those philosophies come to nothing and are hollow and empty and we say to ourselves, why did we get so worked up about that? Others are binding. We're going to talk about one of the most evil and the most terrible seductions of evil that ever took place. And it was in the lifetime of our fathers and grandfathers. They witnessed the seduction of a nation and almost the destruction of the whole of Europe. So I'll look forward to being with you again next time when we open the pages of the word and we look into how to withstand evil, how to be free from the bondages that once held sway in our lives and how we can be overcomers, walking in the light, washed in the blood, indwelt by the Spirit of God, and walking in God's freedom. God bless you. See you again next time. Bye.